that there's often this focus on performance over pleasure. Physical intimacy has to be rooted in emotional intimacy. It's not about how much sex are we having. It's about what is the sex like when we are. Dear young married couple, have you ever asked yourself, how can we make our sex life better? Mm-hmm. Well, today we're gonna interview Dr. Elizabeth Fedrick on just that. She gives us practical tools and insights for how to do this. Yes, and she is an incredible professor, therapist, and um, expert when it comes to relationships. I love her focus on attachment, which by the way, stick around to the end because she shares an attachment resource and quiz um, that can help you and your spouse learn about your attachment style. But the main focus of this episode is those practical ways to make your sex life better. By the way, today is Valentine's Day if you're listening to this on the day it airs. And if you're looking for a last minute Valentine's gift, we have our Adventure and Intimacy Retreat coming up in June in Sacramento, California. And it's going to be amazing. Yes. So come join us and you can give that as a gift to your spouse. Um, Or if you're listening to this after Valentine's Day and you really bombed Valentine's (laughs) Day, um, you could also make up for that by getting them this gift for Valentine's Day. Yes. So let's go to the interview. Welcome, Dr. Elizabeth Fedrick, to the podcast. Thanks so much for being with us today. Welcome. Hi, thank you, guys. I appreciate you reaching out, and I'm very excited to talk about this topic. It is much-needed uh, discussion on this particular topic, especially with you know the expectations that are put around it, the pressure, the mm-hmm. differences in gender. So I'm excited yep. to talk about it. For sure. Yes. Well, I mean, we found a post of yours that talks about, you know, sex is better when. Yes. And that caught our eyes. We're like, hey, let's let's talk to the doctor and see what she has to say. <laughs> probably a lot of couples come in um, that don't follow some of these guidelines. Yeah. What would you say some of those things, like how do couples get stuck? Mm-hmm. And then maybe the inspiration for this, this post. Sure. So multiple things that we see, but a couple of the main things that I have seen as themes seen repeatedly is first and foremost that there's often this focus on performance over pleasure. And that is so societally dictated and it's different for the pressure that's put on genders is also different. So mm-hmm. for a male, it might be more performance-based. For a woman, it might be more aesthetic-based. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's these different types of pressures that are put on it But I've noticed that that often becomes a barrier to quality of sex because when you're in your head and you're worried about, you know, am I making the right noises? Does my body look okay right now? And, you know, Mm -hmm. am I staying erect long enough? Like all of those things that once you get in your head about that, you're actually taking away not only from your own experience, but also your partner's experience because they can tell that disconnect is there. And then the Mm -hmm. second piece of it is that I've noticed that couples, they don't talk about sex. So I don't know Mm -hmm. if you guys are familiar with that, if like you come across (laughs) that, but um, whether they've been in a relationship for a few months or many, many years, um, sitting at dinner talking about, you know, what's your favorite position and what do you want to try tonight is not something that comes up. Yeah, especially in Christian circles. You teach at Grand Canyon University. We work a lot with Christian couples and talking about sex is so taboo. Um, yeah. Do you find that in your work with uh, in your practice or even in your teaching? 
Absolutely. I find it, especially in my practice, again, going back to these societal expectations. And so the shame that is put around, especially I was raised in a very religious upbringing. And so there was so much shame around sex. It was not something we, when we talked about it, it was always in a joking, like making it, you know, out to be silly or immature versus like Mm -hmm. having real honest conversations around it. And, um, I think because of that, I deal with when I work with couples where um, maybe one or both of them deal with the shame that's around mm-hmm. sex. And so it's like, oh, I can't talk about that. That's that's mm-hmm. not polite to talk about. And so that definitely becomes a barrier. I yeah. love that you brought up humor as a way of distancing themselves uh-huh. from the conversation. I We have seen that. Oh, yeah. So much. Not just like Christian kiddos growing up like as teens making fun of it, but then that makes its way into the marriage. So the husband and wife use a lot of humor to deflect and to kind of laugh off something that they're uncomfortable talking about. Well, and also we see that really frequently where the um, instigation of sex is done through maybe humor being silly or like Mm -hmm. joking around, you know, Mm -hmm. so maybe copying a feel or something like that like but doing it in a joking manner mm-hmm. where then the other partner is like that's not a turn on to me that's yeah. not you know that the um juvenile nature of that yes. does not get me going yeah yeah and that's probably because it started in their teens when they yeah. like how do i talk about this with my friends if my parents aren't talking about it, how do i talk about my well we're probably joking about it we're not having serious adult conversations mm-hmm. and right. so if they never had to grow up you know what's what's the stimulus to actually grow out of that ah uh, yeah yeah and what i encourage is open dialogue and boundary setting and when the couples are sitting with me it's such a powerful moment for you know maybe i'm i'm thinking of this happens commonly it does not mean it's the only place that it happens but commonly the woman will bring it up you know uh-huh. so the man will make some type of pursuit that is done in maybe a silly or playful or immature way and we know why he's doing that because that's going to you know, lessen the rejection when inevitably he believes he's going to be rejected. And so Mm -hmm. if he can do it in a way where he's just kidding anyway, that helps with his cognitive dissonance around it. Okay. So we get what's going on for him, but for her, she's like, well, I might have been interested, but not when you did it that way. And not (laughs) when you added in that joke and, you know, and so I think that that really creates a disconnect that becomes a really beautiful conversation. Mm hmm. So how do we make it beautiful? <laughs> yeah, well, and specifically, talk about this like contrast between like healthy playfulness in the bedroom because that's like a theme that I saw woven throughout that post of yeah. yours. You know, sex is better when, and playfulness is a big part of that. But the contrast between that and what we're talking about here, which is that juvenile, goofy, uh, goofy. I'm going to put it yeah. out there so that I'm not rejected as hard if if she says no. Yeah, so the playful that I'm referring to is the the teasing and it's the flirting and it's the um the tension building. And then even in the bedroom during the act of sex, it is that maybe something does make a funny noise or somebody does get a leg cramp or something like that and you guys can just kind of laugh it off and yeah. mm-hmm. okay, let's switch positions. You know that it doesn't have to be the deal breaker of that situation. Um 
but I I believe, but I mean, that's a great point. And I actually got comments on that that said like, no, I don't, I don't like the silly. I don't like the playful. Like that's <laughs> not a turn on. So I think that's unique for everyone. But um, mm. for me, I, I have a very playful, sarcastic, just that's my personality to begin with. And so mm-hmm. to know that there can be lightness, even in the moments of intimacy, I believe that makes sex better. Ah, that's really good. I wonder too, if it's, contextual based on a number of of variables, but personality being one of them. So for somebody who tends to be a bit more serious and professional, having some playfulness introduced into the sexual experience can be, um, can be erotic, can be different, can, that can be novel. But then for someone who's a jokester, like that could kind of be seen as a deflection if you're just more playful in the bedroom and maybe your partner wants you to be a bit more serious or romantic. Sure. And I believe that really becomes a compatibility thing at that point, right? Because that's exactly it. Everything in life is on a spectrum, including being playful or silly in the bedroom. And so there can definitely be different levels of that. Um, But I also think that if your relationship, if you do have that emotional intimacy already developed before going into the physical intimacy, then you also have the ability to say in that moment, like, knock it off, or okay, mm. enough, or, you know, you can say those things without it becoming rejection or a fight, uh. but rather just asserting, okay, like, I get it, like, let's move on. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's good. So the couples that probably have that no talking around sex and then feeling the shame and feeling, you know, and then they're, they're goofy. How do they go about changing their experience around? Because I mean, really what we're talking about is emotional intimacy that really probably isn't there. So yep. how do, what does that mean for, for a couple? Yes. Yeah, so the emotion, I'm so glad you brought that up because this is really is the foundation to me of any of the work that I do with my clients on physical intimacy has to be rooted in emotional intimacy. And it is the glue that really holds a relationship together. It is the sense of safety of connection. Intimacy is defined as a sense of closeness. And so when we can start with creating emotional intimacy, and this is done through actually making time for each other, prioritizing each other, having hard conversations, being willing to be vulnerable. I have tons of posts on ideas of creating emotional intimacy as well. When that is created and there is a strong foundation of that, you then desire each other on a whole nother level because you're now desiring the essence of each other. You're desiring this like really um, holistic coming together in closeness versus just the physical act of sex. I do not believe that the physical act of sex is intimacy. That is not by definition what it is. You can have sex, one night stands happen all the time. That's not intimacy. Right. But by truly allowing allowing the coming together of, you know, the the emotions and the chemistry and all of that that ensues, mm-hmm. that's where really the magic happens. Yeah. And it's built upon. Right. So like you can have yeah. sex and it can be an intimate experience if you've built upon that emotional intimacy over time. And that probably can look like over the years, it gets more and more intimate, but it could also look like, like the days in between having sex each time. Like if you have that emotional intimacy and you've built to that, then it can be much more intimate when you have sex. 
Yeah, and that's where the power of foreplay comes in. And and I'm not just referring to physical foreplay. That right. is where emotional and intellectual and experiential. And I think there's something to be said about allowing the tension to build. It's not about how much sex are we having. It's right. about what is the sex like when we are? And is it fulfilling and creating contentment for each of us? And so even if multiple days go by, but during those multiple days, that doesn't mean we're disconnected. That means yeah. we're engaging in foreplay of whatever mm-hmm. type. And so then when we come together, sex becomes better because we've yeah. built it up. We've we've increased the um, you know, the arousal when it finally does happen. Talk about the different types of foreplay. Sure. You said yeah. Intellectual foreplay. And I was like, ooh, that's that's <laughs> good. Like distinguish between these types of foreplay and give us some examples. Sure. Yeah. I'm working on a project on this right now. I'm so just passionate about nice. this um this concept of foreplay happening in so many different ways. So we have emotional foreplay, and that is when we are having vulnerable conversations. We are letting each other in, talking about hopes, dreams, fears. Um, we have intellectual foreplay, which is my favorite type of foreplay. And this is having conversations that are thoughtful, that you're challenging each other intellectually. You're teaching each other things. You're going on dates to museums, to the theater, to places that really get your wheels turning mm. and turning your wheels with each other, right? So you're yeah. really playing off each other. Um, Mm -hmm. The experiential foreplay that is trying new things. So that's going on adventures, maybe going to a new restaurant. It's this experience of we're doing something we've never done together. And what is that like for us? Um, There's also spiritual foreplay. And that is, you know, built in the foundation of your beliefs. And that can be praying together, meditating together, whatever that is that brings you together spiritually. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, there's so many different types of ways that, we can be building connection and intimacy throughout the day that is often really overlooked. Yeah, that's good. So talk to the couple who's listening and says, I hardly see my spouse. You know, maybe they leave an hour before I even wake up because they have a long commute and then we're, you know, we're gone for the workday. It's 10, 12 hours. They get home and maybe we see each other for an hour before we go to bed. Maybe we try to have sex every once in a while. But talk about what foreplay can look like for them when they're not seeing each other very often. And maybe it's just a season, but they feel kind of hopeless in this season. Yeah. So, I mean, so common, especially in our busy society. Like, I think most of us can relate to what you just described. Foreplay can start first thing in the morning. Foreplay can start by wiggling your behind into them before you get out of bed. You know, it Mm -hmm. can start by brushing against them in the kitchen um, on your way out the door. It can be... you know, just even little comments that you might make. But also foreplay happens through sexting, as controversial yes. as that is. Like, yep. and sexting doesn't have to be raunchy. It can be, and more power to you if that's what you like. But it doesn't <laughs> have to be. It can be subtle, um, subtle ways of, I really like what we did last night. I really miss the taste of your lips. Things like that yep. that are, you know, that are just more flirty in nature. That can happen mm. all day. Mm-hmm. But then when you just said that you have that hour together at night, that means you do technically have opportunity to connect. It's yeah. just being intentional with that time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I could hear some people listening to this too and thinking, you know, if I took your advice and did that, I know that I would have to have sex or I would mm-hmm. be pressured yeah. into. Can you talk about that? I whole love that. Dynamic? Yeah. That's great. Great point, Adam, because that does come up a lot. And I, a lot of 
female clients in the couple dynamic will say that like, I can't let my guard down at all because then the expectation or assumption is that we will have sex and I'm tired and I don't want to have sex on a Wednesday night, you know? (laughs) And so a lot of that comes back to the open conversation and the boundary setting, honestly. Could you talk about that? I I wanted to circle back to that when you said boundary setting. How do we, like, how would you, okay, so a couple comes in and you're like, okay, you need this, you need that emotional connection, you need the flirtation, all the you know, foreplay we're talking about, but this is holding us up. We don't have any boundaries. Yeah. What are yeah. boundaries what for would a married you do couple? With a couple, like what activity maybe would you have them do to start setting these for themselves? And we'll get right back to the interview. But what we want to do is make you aware that we have a resource around this whole subject of talking with your kids about sexuality. And it's called having the talks. And in Having the Talks, we address things like homosexuality, transgenderism, but even just the basics of sexuality, like anatomy and identity. Um, We start the whole deck off with identity, and it's a resource for parents and children to play together. You can play it like a game, and it helps children as young as age three all the way up to teenhood. There's um, really two decks in one because we have questions for younger children. And on the other side of the card, it's a question, same question, but for older children. Yes. And this deck is designed to really bring these subjects up um, organically so that you can um, really have this discussion with them and, and open a safe place for you to be an askable parent. So you could go to havingthetalks.com and get your deck. And um, it will actually reroute you to Amazon and you can get it tomorrow. Next day shipping. Yeah, if you ordered it today. All right, link in the show notes. Back to the interview. Well, so their boundaries is first identifying what they're okay with and what they're not. And so if having sex on a Wednesday night is about not having sex on a Wednesday night is a boundary, then these things need to be vocalized. Mm -hmm. So boundaries start by first identifying what are some of these things that maybe are happening that you're not okay with, you're not comfortable with, that are activating your nervous system? That's a really good way for us to determine to determine when we should set a boundary is when our nervous system gets activated by a behavior. Oh, and so how do they when, know if their nervous system is activated? Yeah, so those feelings of anxiety, so that your chest getting tight, your stomach hurting, feeling anxious, feeling on edge. A lot of people don't realize that irritability and anger are actually a manifestation of anxiety. And that anxiety is your nervous system being activated. So if you're feeling irritable at your partner about something, we probably need to pull it back. Okay, so you're Mm -hmm. feeling irritable. So that means you're probably feeling anxious. That means somewhere along the way, your nervous system got activated. What was the catalyst? Um, And so using that to figure out what, you know, what the boundaries are. And then the boundaries come down to these just very, again, open dialogue. So I don't, I want to flirt with you throughout the week. I don't want to have sex with you on Wednesday. So in order for me to feel safe to be able to flirt with you, I need to know that there's not going to be this expectation, that I'm not going to be pursued in that way every Wednesday night. (laughs) And that really having that conversation because often then the other partner's like, well, yeah, I mean, I do want to be flirted with. I do want the foreplay. Please don't stop. Okay, so then this is what I need from you. And so it's this give and take, this compromise. It's finding the gray area. Mm -hmm. But with boundaries, I'm big on we verbalize it once in a gentle way. We verbalize it secondly in a, you know, a second time in a much more assertive way. And then at that third time, I encourage people to remove themselves from the conversation, the situation, you know, and Mm -hmm. 
whatever that is along the spectrum. I'm not saying leave your partner by the third time they violate your boundary. We're <laughs> violating boundaries all day. That's not my point. Right, but right. you can remove yourself from sitting next to them on the couch if they can't mm. stop touching you in a way you don't like yeah. in that moment. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. What are some examples of other boundaries? Because I think that practical, like, I don't want to have sex on Wednesday nights. If I'm going to pursue you throughout the week, you have to respect this boundary. What are some other boundaries that a married couple, because I think especially, I know Christian couples listening are like, yeah, we set boundaries as a premarital couple, like, but yeah. they don't think of their marriage needing boundaries around sexuality. So what, what would other boundaries look like? Boundaries come down to what you're comfortable with in the bedroom. So yes. what positions you're comfortable with, what, um, even what toys or what things you might be bringing into the bedroom, that's all going to be boundary based. Um, and what does that look like? And um, so, I mean, yes, when it comes to what are we talking about? What are we fantasizing about? What are, you know, all of those things. Mm -hmm. And I, mm -hmm. I do this work with couples daily of really identifying. I talk a lot about how sometimes, you know, one partner's on this end of the spectrum and the other is right. on this end of the spectrum. We have this entire gap that is preventing true intimacy from taking place. Yep. But we've got to like inch towards each other, right? So we can't expect one to come all the way or the other to go all the way. Right. We have to kind of find that middle ground. Mm -hmm. I, I think because that this belief that if I compromise or I go too far, then we can't ever go back. Or yeah. there, there's this Which fear of, yeah, there's like, yeah. I've set my flag here and I really don't want to show that I am flexible here because <laughs> that could be giving up something. And yeah. we're, so, we're shifting expectations, right? So now mm -hmm. you expect me to do this every time or you exactly. expect me to do it again. What if I yeah. don't like it? There's yeah. a lot of fear in that. How, do, how does someone go about um, like breaking their own boundary? So for instance, like you talked about the Wednesday night thing. I, I can relate to that because like we work at home together throughout the week. And so one of my like, boundaries or expectations is like I don't want to have sex during the work day like I sure. I want to just focus on work and so please don't try to initiate during the work day but I still want to flirt with you throughout the day when we see each other in passing between sessions or whatever and so but what if I want to break that like talk to the person who says what if I do want to have sex on a Wednesday night even though I told him no that's not my forte I love that question. Yes, because a healthy boundary is firm but flexible. And that is where a <laughs> lot of people miss that second part, that a healthy boundary is not rigid. It doesn't have mm -hmm. to be the same all the time. We're allowed to choose to violate our own boundaries in that way if we want to. We won't mm -hmm. use the word violate, but we can maybe <laughs> change our mind on that Ignore boundary. Ignore it for a minute. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the key there is that that Again, you know, beating a dead horse at this point, but that has to be a conversation. Yes. And so if built into that, you're like, okay, I don't want to have sex during the work day, but then maybe a Tuesday at 3 p.m., you're kind of like, hey, Adam, you're kind of quick this afternoon. <laughs> then that's up to you, but a conversation has had has been had yeah. that, hey, Adam, if I pursue you in the middle of the day, Please understand that I'm doing that because I like maybe I don't have as much going on that day as I normally do. Or there's factors that it there's context that maybe you're not aware of, mm. but this can't make it now a, an expectation going forward. But on right. the flip side of that, we also have to be respectful because then if that becomes confusing for the other partner, like, mm -hmm. well, you're always I never know what to expect. It's always wishy washy. How right. am I supposed mm -hmm. to keep up with that? Then we then we have to be more uh, stern on those boundaries because then that just creates eggshells. 
That's really good. Yeah. And again, like you said, beating a dead horse here, but that requires a lot of communication. A lot. Well, yeah. and vulnerability. Yeah. So I mean, just kind of circling back again, but for, for a lot of people who have suppressed thinking and talking about emotions, this whole conversation is terrifying mm. just because uh-huh. they have no idea how to move in a vulnerable conversation. And yeah. when I don't agree, then there's anger and everything else. So how do people get comfortable with that sort of vulnerability that you're ascribing to people right now? So um, the biggest thing that I push for this is called a weekly check-in. And I okay. have all of my uh, new couple clients started and do it weekly. And then if they decide to go bi-weekly or whatever, if things are going well, I've even had a few clients who've done it just like 10 minute ones, like three times a week because because of this exact thing. Humans are designed for adaptation. We can learn anything, really. We can learn any new skill we can, but we don't get better at it without practice. Mm -hmm. And so what these weekly check-ins are, they are same day, same time. It's on your calendar. It's not a if we have time thing. This is just as much of a commitment as picking your kid up from school. Like this Mm -hmm. is a serious commitment, right? So it's on your calendar. You have a handful of questions already planned that are things like, how are you feeling about our dynamic this week? How has your love language been met? In what way could I show up for you better in this next coming week? Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe what was the hardest part of your last week? What are you looking forward to? You know, all of these. I, yeah. I nice. You get the picture. That's no, really good. And yeah. so you have a handful of these set ones that you ask. But then what I usually encourage couples to do is then each bring with them a couple of their own. So like the, just like little conversation starters that, again, bringing in the novelty and the intellectual foreplay and bringing in just so it creates a little bit of a different conversation as well. So it's not as robotic. And so by having those weekly check-ins, we are practicing communication. We're catching if there's disconnects in the relationship before it grows into this resentment that is much harder to repair. And we're also, beyond even just practicing communicating, we're practicing communication skills. And so Mm -hmm. I talk with them about reflection and validation and I statements. And they, they know every single week they're going to practice this and they're going to get more comfortable with vulnerability. That's really good. So good. I like the the piece that of like adding a couple of questions of your own so it doesn't feel so robotic. Yeah. We, we do that with our couples. We yeah. have a daily check-in and it's three questions and they're practicing their communication skills. But it can tend to feel robotic if it's the same thing every single day. And so I love that concept of like throw in a couple of like extra things. So there's some mystery there, like novelty. You don't know what's going to be asked. Like yeah. you grab a, a card deck question yeah. too. I love I love it too that it could focus on like what am I resent resenting right now if True. if yeah. it's starting to tend toward that. Yeah. And how can I ask a question that could relieve that or start the conversation mm-hmm. on that? Yeah, absolutely. And and having so like what you even said about, you know, when I bring something up it creates anger. This is also a beautiful time. We've talked about coping skills. We've talked about emotional regulation leading into it. So this is also when they're going to practice that so that Mm. when those conversations of this thing that might be creating resentment Mm. does come up in that conversation, they actually have this space and safety to bring it up. Because even if we have this scheduled time each week, if that just means you have a scheduled time for someone to get mad at you every week. That's not helpful either. <laughs> right. So there has to be like, yes. we're practicing our skills to stay regulated. So good. I love it. 
<laughs> Man, this has been a fantastic conversation. Is there anything you would want to add when it comes to how sex can get better for a couple? Man, so many things that I that I really think that we just aren't doing. And so I would say probably my main takeaway would be to start building on the emotional intimacy. So really building safety and connection and and vacillating that with um, playful tension. And I think that that is allow the the buildup to take place. Um, also, just as corny as this is, and I get so much push pushback. If you are that couple that you described that is so busy, put it on your calendar to have sex. If yep. that's what you have to do, then that's what you have to do. I have a couple. Amen. <laughs> they crack me up. He'll send her like these calendar reminders about it with like really like kind of you know cheesy things in there, and I'm like. I love it. I, yeah. If that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do. Absolutely. It's so, so good. And then you can like sneak in and like set those reminders on their phone and like <laughs> yep. pick this song for it to go off. Like, you're giving me ideas. Yes. Thank you. Appreciate it, Liz. so funny. <laughs> that's great. So where can people find you online or on social media? Sure. So my website is drelizabethfedrick.com. And then um, pretty much all of my social media handles are at Dr. Elizabeth Fedrick. Instagram is the one that I'm most active on. That's where you're going to see a majority of my posts. Okay. Um, lots on um, on intimacy, on foreplay, on communication skills. I I really do my best to give people the quality content that they need to make a difference just by reading one post. Nice. Yeah, that's evident in what we saw in your Thank Instagram. Thank you so much. Yeah, so we will link uh, your website and your Instagram in the show notes so people can go find you. Any other resources of yours or any others that you would recommend on this topic? Um, Geez, not off the top of my head. I, I often have my clients, you know, do the very common, the love language and then the attachment quizzes. I have mm -hmm. them do that early on so that they know kind of what they're operating with. Um, nice. So I always suggest that is a good starting place. Okay. Can, and which uh, attachment quiz would you recommend sending um, people to? Yeah, Diane Pool Heller. So she, and if you just Google Diane Pool Heller attachment quiz, it will come up for you. Um, she has a great audible healing your attachment wounds. Um, that's usually where I have a lot of couples start as well. Okay. Well, we Thank will you. find that and link that in the show notes as well. Very cool. Awesome. This has been so good. Thank you. We always like to end every episode by asking our interviewee, um, what they wish they would have uh, advice they would have received at the beginning of their marriage. And if you can give that, um, that advice by filling in the blank, dear young married couple. Dear young married couple, make time for each other. Busy happens. You will always be busy, but you have to make each other a priority. Mm. So good. Love it. <laughs> Mic drop. It's true. And it's good. Thank you so yes. much for Thank your time you. and your wisdom. Thank you guys. So good. You were fantastic. Yes, I appreciate Liz. it. Appreciate Thank you it. very much. You guys are doing good work and I appreciate being here. And I, yeah, I really hope this resonates with your audience. So thank you so much. All right, friends. We really hope that you got a ton out of today's conversation. And if you want help, if you want personal guidance with individual counseling or couples counseling, or even help with you as a couple reaching the goals you have, just reach out. Give us a call at 916-678-1797 or shoot us an email at hello at dearyoungmarriedcouple.com. No matter where you are in the world or in your marriage, we can set up a counseling session with you and we can work toward progress. 
We also post marriage advice regularly on our Instagram, which is at Dear Young Married Couple. And we'd love for you to join us in conversation there. All right. See you next week.